Now, if food waste were a country, it would be the third largest emitter of greenhouse gases behind China and the US. In today's episode, I'm talking with an entrepreneur who's trying to tackle this challenge. From Blue Tribe Media, this is the Good Business Podcast, the show where we talk to business leaders, social entrepreneurs, and innovators about aligning profit with purpose and how you can make doing good good for business. Now, here's your host, James McGregor. Now, in today's episode of the Good Business Podcast, I'm talking with Amy Keller, who's the co-founder of Pure Plus, a startup that saves produce destined for landfill and turns it into delicious, healthy candy made out of the most climate-impactful, nutrient-dense fruits and vegetables. Now, Amy knows a thing or two about candy because her family sells 2 billion of the world's most popular lollipops each year. But Amy is also a seven-time Ironman and ultramarathoner, and therefore health, nutrition, and the environment are very important to her. In this episode, I talked to Amy about her company's way above the Arctic Circle birth story and how she and her team plan to disrupt and improve the $80 billion candy market. All right, so why don't we start off with you introducing yourself and tell us who you are. Absolutely. So my name is Amy Keller. I am co-founder and CEO of Pure Plus. Uh, I believe that, that this rings true. The two most important days of your life are the day you were born and the day you found out why. The reason why I say that is my family owns a candy factory called Spangler Candy. We uh, sell 2 billion dum-dum lollipops every year, along with every you can imagine in the sugar family. And uh, I've had a career on the other side of the coin, working on the environment and health and well-being as a seven-time Ironman, in which health and nutrition is, is very much a part of the sport. So that's really my background, where the, the two worlds collided to create what we did with Pure Plus. Mm-hmm. So it's sugar and triathlons. I don't know, how, how many dum-dums can you fit on, well, on the black leg? That's the problem, right? You get sugar high, sugar low, you're not going to make it through that uh, 140 miles. So uh, I think that when I look at what we did to create a company that illuminates the power of fruits and vegetables to restore the health of people and planet, uh, I think it really looks at food being the number one cause of poor health. And sugar is a major cause of obesity and diabetes, especially in our children. And if you look at the fact that 90% of people don't get their daily fruit and vegetable servings every day, and with the current COVID crisis, it's even harder to get access to produce. And I think that's the key, is how do we get to that five to eight servings, if not 10 per day? I think we'll see a mm-hmm. lot of changes around uh, global health. Yeah, great. So what's something that most people may not know about you? Well, I think, you know, with what I've done on the impact space, most people know me for for that. Um, I'd say it's probably the fact that I had that connection in with my grandfather running a candy factory and that I first word when I turned one and was handed a dum-dum was dum-dum. I actually knew what the lollipop <laughs> was, right? Yeah, uh, so yeah. I think a lot of people didn't know that background before. They just knew I was an Ironman triathlete and that I was mm-hmm. super healthy. And that is what I did uh, and did ultra marathons and marathons and very focused on, on human nutrition. Uh, and then as the environment, uh, working with Vice President Al Gore and working on Live Earth, leading into the COP21 in Paris and the Climate Change Treaty and bringing 193 world leaders together around the climate you know around these goals uh that are going to be impacting this space yeah amazing so tell us a little bit about pure plus and then we'll get back into the bit of the backstory but tell us you know what is pure plus and uh what what does it do 
Well, I think when you look at food waste, right, it's a global problem, direct economic cost of a trillion dollars per year around the world. Um, given that enormous footprint, we looked at the fact that wasting less food presents a key opportunity to address climate change. So this idea came about when the founders and I were in Svalbard, Norway, in the Arctic Circle, cross-country skiing, and I happened to be reading Paul Hawkins' book, Drawdown. And in that book, number three was food waste in regards to combating climate change. And I thought, wait a minute, 40% of our food's wasted and 50% fruits and vegetables. So I think that was kind of that, that start to what Pure Plus is where we're helping people get those fruits and vegetables on a daily basis by utilizing imperfect produce from local farmers that would have not been picked and would have been wasted. But literally it's 20% that they just leave unpicked because they're imperfect. So we're utilizing those for the, you know, millions of people around the world that are micronutrient deficient. Sure. And so when you're reusing these um, these fruit and vegetables that wouldn't normally be picked or they probably would have been plowed into the ground or left to rot, um, what, what are you actually turning them into? So we have made them into a plant-based powder by color line. So we have a red, green, orange, and purple. And then we took those color powders and made them into a healthy candy called faves. So we kind of imagined this world where you know, fruits and vegetables could taste like candy because of my background. And we said, this is a way we can get people their fruits and vegetables in a fun way, um, get them uh, a couple daily servings per pack of candy. So now all of a sudden you get that sweet indulgence, you know, that guilt-free candy, but you're actually getting benefit out of it and getting you partway there to your five to eight servings. Um, so we really wanted to look at a single delivery system because we didn't want to just give people another powder. Unfortunately, that's just another thing for people that make smoothies. You know, you put a powder yeah, in smoothies yeah, in the yeah. morning, but not everybody eats that way. Like yeah. We really wanted to focus on a different audience base. Yeah, awesome. So t tell me about the, the fave candy. So what, what sort of flavors, if I was to go out and, and buy one, um, what, what, sort of, what, sort, what would be my uh, user experience in, in eating that? Well, we're currently direct-to-consumer on MyFavesSweets.com, and we have an assorted flavors right now because we found that the most climate-impactful of the flavors out there were orange, lemon, so the citrus farms, and then strawberries mm -hmm. because of what we're seeing uh, in California. Uh, so we focus on domestic crops because we feel like we can make any of these fruits and vegetables superfoods. The unfortunate part is, is that people think they have to go elsewhere into the jungles and find the latest berries uh, when really all of us have superfoods. You know, our, our main formula is made out of vegetables, sweet potato, carrot, pumpkin, squash, beets. I mean, there's so many root vegetables and others that should be utilized and that can give that same power pack punch as what people are considering superfood. And we can do it for a much less, you know, more, more affordable cost. Yeah, awesome. All right, so I want to go back a little bit in time to before Pure Plus came into existence, uh, and I want to understand I mean, what's the backstory, what, what's the origin story behind how the even idea to start Pure Plus um, sort of kicked off. Now, you mentioned you were cross-country skiing uh, in the Arctic uh, or, in the, or near the Arctic Circle. Um, tell us more about that. Well, I mean, I come from a background of global social impact. So when I was going with the United Nations to visit the seed vault and learn about food security and learn about how the seeds of the world are in this vault um, in case of famine or times of civil strife in countries, they have backup seeds. 
So I looked at it and said, well, wow, you know, can't there be other innovative approaches around social change, you know, you know, mapping things with the thought leaders that are there and really looking at creative solutions to complex problems. So while there, we were doing that type of work and because I've executed strategies around, um, you know, achieving things around the sustainable development goals and specifically around climate action as one of the goals, I tried to figure out how can we take the intersection of what government's doing and nonprofits are doing and look at businesses that can really connect in with the global citizens of the world. So I think that's why we built the roadmap we did, um, because you're sitting in the Arctic Circle and you've got a lot of time on your hands um, thinking about these things and building out a business model and a business plan you know, while there. And then when I came back, I started researching all the ingredient companies and all the farms across the U.S. and around the world and found out that the majority of the ingredient companies are utilizing the fruits and vegetables for flavor and color, and they're not thinking about the nutrition. And we mm. wanted to make sure that the nutrition molecules stayed intact. So when people are putting on their labels a clean label and saying there's a, a juice or a certain fruit or vegetable in something, that it actually has a benefit and it's not just used uh, for flavor or color. And that's the unfortunate part in what I saw. So I knew that we had a hole in the market that we could develop something. Hmm. So did you immediately go to candy though? So you I mean you obviously um, you know Paul Hawkins book and the issues you're dealing with were much bigger than food waste. How did you end up focusing? Well, why why food waste and why linking that to candy? Well, I think we were looking at uh, the fact that we felt that we were a broader category uh, called earth functional foods which means that we provide environmental benefits beyond health. And we look at lower carbon footprint for our tr you know, transparent supply chain, and we're incorporating these upcycled ingredients. And as much as we made these powders and could have just been out there as another ingredient company, we felt like that just was a B2B. It was allowing other mm. businesses to utilize us, but piloting products, beverages, bars, you name it, with other companies would take months you know, to rejigger their formulas. So if we could go out with a proof of concept and say, look, we looked at the $80 billion global market of candy, and this is an area that has yet to be disrupted in this way. Let's show that we can replace a lot of that sugar and filler with fruits and vegetables and get it directly to the consumers. Mm. So tell me about that, uh, that testing piece. So one of the big challenges that we see with the sort of clients that we work with is, They've got great ideas or they've got a vision for how they want to change the world, but they're not actually sure how to test it. You know, there's, there's a lot of risk sometimes in coming up with new, completely different ideas. But how did you actually go about doing that market validation that you just talked about? Well, we looked at the changing consumer preferences. There's definitely a rising demand for plant-based anything, especially now during COVID. <clears throat> with that rising demand and knowing that looking at stats that 45% of shoppers would actually stop buying their favorite brands if they didn't commit to, you know, what they're doing mm. in regards to their carbon footprint and looking at, you know, how we were developing this for human health and the planet. I think we were looking at, we're not going to go out and just do focus group tests for doing focus group tests. We're going to actually get it just out to the consumers. So at the end of last year, we just put the direct to consumer up and said, you're going to help us build this candy factory. So as you purchase from us, we're going to send you the latest version and we're going to keep iterating with your feedback. Um, so we just kept on sending out candy 
and had real orders from real people that were following us via social media on our Instagram. And that was the best way to focus group test rather than having people in a room that that one A-type personality is going to pull the rest of the room your way. And unfortunately, Mm -hmm. you're looking at $5,000 a focus group. You know, like, is it really worth it to put those people in a room for feedback when you can get it directly from families, moms, adults, people that are on the go, you know, kids. I, I live at the beach. I mean, my house is already known at Halloween as the Dum Dum House because we give out 10,000 <laughs> lollipops every year, like by the bucket mm-hmm. full to these kids. So yeah. I was like, we have the consumer market. Kids come trick or treating almost every day at our house. Like, why am I not just feeding everybody these candies? So I think that's the route we went that we felt like there was a market for it. Yeah. And what was the feedback you got initially? So was it always, was every flavor or every candy you sent out a success? I mean, so sour, so good. I mean, people couldn't believe there were vegetables in it. Uh, You know, like I think the only problematic ones we had was when we tried to put as many green vegetables in one and uh, there was just no getting around to the taste of spinach, broccoli, kale, you know, pea pro, <laughs> it wasn't going to work. So <laughs> I, mm-hmm. in, interestingly enough, I think you're right. You know, innovation is being led by startups, not incumbents. Mm. But the reason is, is because the biggest brands out there, they're only spending one to 5% of their budget on research and development. So they're really looking to us. Uh, you know, they're investing in the smaller brands. You know, they're looking at us to push the envelope on sustainability. Yeah, but it also sounds like you've got, you know, I think the difference between startups is that you have that very um, intimate relationship with your early customers. So, you know, the, your early customers know you're a startup. So that you've got, there's a bit of forgiveness there if things aren't exactly right. But there's also that proper feedback uh, loop that's going on where you're having a conversation. So, so I, I really like the idea of the way you guys, you built an audience and said, okay, we, you're going to build this with us. So come along with the journey. Um, I'm interested in the, how much you think the environmental mission around reducing carbon emissions and your focus on that helped around that community recruitment? Well, I mean, for us, we we set KPIs to measure ourselves around transparency of our supply chain and the innovation around the drying systems and the impact on the environment because we want to be that B corporation. We want to show that, that we are doing that work because of my background and the founders. So I think... That, that's been our market plan to start. Uh, obviously, people are going to look first and foremost at themselves and say, how is this helping me? Uh, you know, how is this in regards to human health? Uh, but then to have the impact on the planet is just a, a two for one. So I think the value proposition and execution has been to, to make it solid between the two so it resonates. Hmm. Um, so our yeah. go-to-market plan really focused on, on how to make them aware of the product with those key messages and then do A-B testing around our social media um, at the beginning of this year just to see what resonated. Yeah. So just digging that a bit more. So the, the whilst behind the scenes, you're being very careful to make sure that you're delivering on the that environmental outcome that you're looking for by yeah, looking at your own production. H- how much of that is consumer-facing or how, is it all behind the scenes um, in terms of where you position the product with the consumer? Well, I think part of the go-to-market strategy includes disruptors interested in the food waste space and eco and health conscious households. So it is direct to consumer. You know, so our key business development is telling the story ourselves. We do have Mm -hmm. online grocers that are looking at distributing our product, 
but it's much easier and we have higher margins if we focus on that. Um, and I think that we look at ourselves as being almost like the cause marketing campaign, you know, because of what we're doing around imperfect produce, climate change and human health. And we're much better at telling that story than having something just sitting on a store shelf that people don't really understand. So it's better yeah. to look to that, then focus on the alternative markets, you know, looking at the schools and the hospitals and hotels and museums and science centers and, you know, where the kids or where families or, you know, where people are on the go, like an airport or different corporate campuses and you know, like really looking at, um, looking at that to make that effect. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think there's, cause we basically do exclusively work in um, this area of sustainability. And oftentimes when we develop um, products or programs or solutions for clients, the consumer facing side of it doesn't necessarily have a strong focus on the environmental outcome. It's still got to be great products. It's got to, in this case here, got a, a product that's really healthy and it's really tasty and it's a, you know, it's addressing the value proposition for, um, say, a mum who's wanting a healthy snack for their kid at school is that it's, you know, you're dealing with the health and the guilt of not giving the kids something that's bad for them. But uh, as a consequence of them using your product, you get this great environmental outcome. I guess that's where I was, sort of, I was going to. So if you're going for direct to consumer, yes, I can see you know, you're building that initial early adopter. You know, you probably got people who are really buying into the story about what you guys are doing with Pure Plus uh, and the journey. Uh, but then to go to mass scale, um, the value proposition is probably going to be different. Yeah, I mean, there's there's currently a massive market of health conscious people, I think, in our society. Uh, not only the baby boomers, the Gen Xers that are aging and looking for any remedy along the way, but there's generations that have been growing up watching it all happen too. So if you target, you know, even millennials here in the U.S. population, that's 83 million people, and 40% of those are parents, and they care about transparent supply chain and authentic brands for health and well-being. So if we're showing the supply chain, that shows the environmental impact. And if we show what it's doing around health and well-being of people and the planet, I think that we're hitting what they want to hear. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, I think there's, a, there's definitely a groundswell, and particularly in the current world at the moment, where you know, the world's gone into a bit of chaos. People are looking for that safety, security, and I guess are more aware of some of these issues now, which is good, which is great. I think it's almost a COVID in many ways has created a terrible opportunity for the world to pivot. Yeah. Well, the sort of next phase. yeah, the challenge of any entrepreneur is to be visionary enough to see a better way of doing something, but you have to ground that vision in reality uh, to make it happen. So, you know, what we've done to kind of rebalance the scales in our favor, we just surround ourselves with people that have done it before, you know, people that we can learn from, um, really specialists in this space. And I think it's all about, you have this great idea, but without great teams behind them, they stagnate. And so mm. that's why I think it's it, if you want to bring your idea to reality and bring it to market, you've got to put together the right team of people. So I think that's probably the number mm. one. And then for me, it's, it's a focusing in on your professional endeavors and lining them up with your values and interests and personal history and beliefs and saying, okay, I spent time building this product and this company because it has a positive impact on people's lives and health and the health of the planet. So it's consistent with my values and lifestyle. So it contributes to personal goals and dreams. And so if you can find a team members that also align on that, it's, it's a win-win. Mm. You, you directly po and positively affect those lives of people that are team members, but other lives outside of that, that you're you know pushing the product to, 
or just educating and making them aware of uh, what fruits and vegetables can do for your health. So right now with us not really launching a, a huge launch around the product and just being direct to consumer, a lot of our social media is just about why you need vitamin C or why you need fiber in your diet or why you should be eating fruits and vegetables. So that's the best thing is focusing in on that nutrition side. Yeah, awesome. So what was what do you think was the biggest challenge to get to where you are today with Pure Plus? Well, I think for a business, I want high margins to work with, right? It allows us to pay people well. It generates critical cash flow to fuel growth. And then it shows that you've got that strong growth potential. And so I think, you know, a lot of businesses, we start off small, but you've got investors out there that are always looking for the next unicorn, right? So you've got to find those those angels out there that know that you're going to grow continuously over the years. And they know that you're differentiated and that you're new to the world and you are very different from what's out there today. And I think that the most exciting businesses out there are innovative and disruptive and differentiated. So I think that that's, that's the exciting part. So I think that's probably the number one for any entrepreneur is you're building a business, you're building teams. And at the same time, you've got a board and investors that you have to work with to get to the point of being able to go to market. Okay, great. And how did you um, go about initially? So when you did your initial pitches to those angels, um, what was your pitch? I mean, the pitch has always been the overall pure plus like how we can replace sugar and filler in products because mm-hmm. we always had that grand vision. I think that's always the way to look big, look like that you're doing something very large. And then the candy faves is a proof of concept to get to that point because they know that distribution is key. And uh, until we can get that larger distribution, you really can't see all the effects. But if you get the right strategic partners, uh, you're definitely uh, much better off. Where did the environmental angle fit into your pitch to investors? How, how important was that to them? The majority of our angel investors all have portfolios that are focused on sustainability, sustainable products, sustainable packaging, and everything that we're doing around the environment. I'd say that was the number one well over the latest human health, snack, candy, etc. cetera. Uh, that was number one for these investors. Because they were in the supply chain and they knew how hard it was to figure out how to deal with the farms, how to make sure you've got imperfect produce, how do you build that supply chain, work with ingredient companies that have the right dryer system, make sure that you can then manufacture and still keep the nutrition molecules intact, and then look at the packaging and make sure that aligns well with what you're trying to do around sustainability. So really building that entire wheel was one of the big factors. Yeah, great. That's encouraging to hear. So where do you see uh, Pure Plus in the future? What's, what's your vision? So if we would have this conversation in five years' time, what, what, would, what would Pure Plus be doing? Pure Plus, I think, brings value in its ability to provide an alternative solution to repurposing produce for farmers and to products. So I think it'd be utilized for health and, and gives perishables a longer shelf life. I think it's going to eliminate waste. It's going to be something that's disruptive for countries all over the world. And I think that this is something that if we do it in the U.S., it can also be mimicked in other countries around the world. And we already have people working with us in Switzerland and New Zealand and Australia and other places that are saying, we want to bring this to our country. We're just saying, wait, 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 we need to get this proof of concept here and then we'll go wide. 
So I'd say global domination, but you know, you can't really say that. <laughs> yeah, sure. The, uh, well, of course you can. That's what we want these impact entrepreneurs to be the uh, the dominant businesses of the future. So yeah, let's, let's aim for world domination. Why not? Fantastic. Um, so actually, this one point, when you mentioned the farmers, so I, just an idea popped in my head. So given that you're taking produce that would otherwise go to waste, um, talk to me about the benefit to farmers of your product. Well, 20% of their farm harvest isn't harvested. So they never get a full harvest because of imperfect produce. So I think the benefit overall is that they're actually making money off of what they grew and it mm. wasn't picked. So that was a really big thing for us. It was considered, you know, rescued produce because it should be utilized for human health. Yeah, great. So you're not only getting rid of the food waste, but you're also creating more economic activity because some of these farming is a hard business, right? So, you know, getting them, helping them maximize the return on you know, all that hard work and you know, blood, sweat and tears that they put into their farms you know, must have some other social impacts for them as well. Yeah, I mean, the field to market process is so tough. So local farmers need whatever advantage they can get. Right. So if there's someone listening out there right now who might have a spark or an idea or, or something they want to do to change the world, what's one piece of advice you give someone like that? Well, I'd have to say that you know, increasingly we expect our professional endeavors to line up with values, interests, personal histories, and, and beliefs. I think that if you can clearly satisfy yourself with answering the question of why are you going to spend all this time and effort producing this product or service or starting this company and whatever that business idea is, making sure that it is consistent with your values and lifestyle, you know, does it contribute to your personal goals and dreams? Does it directly and positively affect lives beyond your own? You know, would the world be better off if you succeeded? You know, would we think the project was worth it even if it fails? So I think that's really coming to terms with, you know, are you going to have that positive impact? And really, I think the most exciting and successful brands really are imbued with that deep sense of purpose and personal value because you do spend a lot of time uh, working on it. Yeah, and I, I think that's super important, determining you know, what your personal why as well as the why for the business. And in fact, that's one of the very first things we teach in any of the processes that we do with our clients is you know, determine what's the purpose here, what's the goal, what's the mission, because the mission sets everything. And sometimes people get wedded to their product idea, but if you wed yourself to the mission, um, sometimes the product won't get you there uh, and you have to realize that at some point and pivot. But if you wed yourself to the mission, it makes it so much easier to adopt a better solution to achieve what you want to achieve. So if people wanted to learn more or get in touch or, and learn more about what you guys are doing at Pure Plus, what's the best way for them to connect or get access to some of your product? Well, to learn more about what we're doing overall as a company, you can go to pureplus.us or for our consumer brand, our first product, it's myfavesweets.com and you're able to buy the, the healthy candy there. So uh, either way, and we've got a fantastic Instagram following on pureplus.us and on favesweets. So we'd love to have people start following us. Awesome, great. And your fave sweets, are they suitable for triathletes for putting in their snack bags when they're on those long rides? 
Absolutely. It doesn't have the sugar high, insulin high, um, because a whole roll pack is less than two grams of sugar. So it just gives you that, that sweet. So if you're doing long ultras and you're not able to get your daily serving of fruits and vegetables in, it's a great way to, to change up from the probably the goos and gels for the day. But I'd say our target market is families and on-the-go executives and kids. Uh, there's so many ways to work this. Absolutely. Awesome. All right. Well, how about we wrap up with what we call our mad minutes? So it's five quick questions in 60 seconds. Good to go? Sounds good to me. All right, let's go. What's the best piece of advice that you have ever received? The best piece of advice I've ever received was more not to wait for anybody else to do it, but do it yourself. So I think that's, you know, making yourself a change maker. I think that's awesome. the most important thing. Yep, great. And what's your uh, favorite business book? I'd have to say it's Mark Rampola, founder of Zico Waters book. It's called High Hanging Fruit, Build Something Great by Going Where No One Else Will. I feel like that's a fantastic book for really any entrepreneur because you can relate to that book. Oh, I haven't heard of that one. I'll have to go check that one out. That sounds very interesting. When you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? professional tennis player <laughs> <laughs> fair enough it all figured out. <laughs> <laughs> and what's your favorite quote my favorite quote you know i'd have to say it wouldn't be the usual because everyone always is margaret needs the world you know doing something yeah. great and changing the world and um i feel like sometimes it's people out there today and what's happening with social justice and especially here in the States about voting uh, in November. So I think that, you know, focusing in on, you know, what Jaden Smith and 501c3 are doing and connecting in, you know, the fact that, you know, we are water justice, you know, looking at social justice and saying there is a direct connect environmental justice, water justice, economic justice. So I think that is definitely a direction I would I would go just relating to what's happening today. Also, President Obama was in the DNC uh, convention, and it was uh, very interesting to hear his focus on, you know, do not let them take away your power. Do not let them take away your democracy. And I think we're seeing a different state of things here in the States and elsewhere. And I think people have to stand up and understand that their decisions affect their lives and the lives of the ones they love. Yeah, here, here. Uh, and if you could go back in time and give your 20-year-old self some advice, what would it be? What would it be? It'd probably be focused on the understanding the that you can jump in to business, but it may also be just preparing myself for what I got myself into with these Ironmans. Uh, it's really a, a mental state. So uh, reading more of those books on mental training, so much out there, whether it's business or uh, athletics, I think that people understand that it's all in your head. So there's so many good books and good audio to, to learn, to really focus in on that. And then physically and mentally, you can do anything. Yeah, awesome. All right. Well, that's it. So look, really 
love the mission that you guys are on uh, and the problems you're trying to solve in the world. And it was great to have a talk to you today. And uh, thanks for joining us on the Good Business Podcast. Absolutely. It was an absolute pleasure. And I think sustainability is a massive consumer mega trend that's here to stay. So I think, you know, more than ever, people are making the connection between sustainability and what they eat, experience and purchase. So during this time, it's so, so important from food security to water scarcity to access nutrition. Every one of the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals can be tackled by people adopting this lifestyle. You know, what, what sounds counterculture will become trendier and, and commonplace in the next decade for sure. That's it. Let's go make it the new, new normal. Absolutely. I think uh, tremendous growth. Absolutely. Now, if you haven't checked out the great resources available on my website, which include free downloadable worksheets and guides to help you build your own impact business, then head on over to www.bluetribe.co forward slash podcast. If you like today's episode, make sure you click that like and subscribe button. Also, tell a friend about the podcast so they can learn great stuff from businesses doing great things. Coming up in the next episode. Walking back through our grounds in the evening and seeing that the lights are being left on people's cottages when they were out, you know, made me sort of become very Basil Fawlty, Fawlty Towers-like, and going, well, they've all left the lights on. But then it dawned on me it wasn't the guests. It wasn't, I can't blame a guest if I, as the host, haven't guided them. Now, tourism can play a big role in addressing many environmental and social issues. And wouldn't it be awesome that for every holiday you went on, you had your own green butler to help you make a positive impact? Well, in the next episode, this is exactly what our guest has created. Well, that's it for another episode of the Good Business Podcast. I'm James McGregor. Until next time.